0: Hello and welcome to SAE Tomorrow Today. I am your host, Grayson Pruelty. On today's episode, we're absolutely honored to have Mark Moore, CEO of Whisper Arrow. Mark is a repeat guest. Previously, Mark was the co founder of Uber Elevate and he came on to tell the story about electric vertical takeoff and landing. And today, Mark's working on something new around thruster technology with Whisper Arrow. It's really interesting as we discussed the electric aircraft, the electric short aircraft the range of how an EV tall can go 100 miles, but an electric short range aircraft can go 300 miles. It was a really interesting conversation about the future of flight, as it directly relates to electrification and all the sustainability benefits that come along with that. And for the local communities, how these aircrafts will be quieter and have less noise pollution in the local communities. It's an interesting conversation as we dive deep into the future of electric aviation. Hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast,
1: Mark. It's great to be back, a lot of things have changed uh, in just the short time since we last talked.
0: A lot of things have changed, but one thing hasn't changed, you're an incredibly smart individual that has this vision of the future of aviation and I can't wait for you to share it today.
1: Thank you, I will do my best.
0: What did you see in the market that led you to starting Whisper Arrow?
1: Well, you know, I I was at NASA for 32 years focusing on technology development. That's where the first generation of distributed electric propulsion uh, was developed by by my team. And then I went to Uber for four years and, and established the Market Foundation for Advanced Air Mobility and really saw a compelling need to get to the next generation of distributed electric propulsion. And technology development is what I really know and uh, and, and love doing, and just couldn't pass up the opportunity to work with uh, a small hardware team to change the world again.
0: Something tells me you're going to be able to change the world again. And looking at the market as a whole, the market's validating what you're currently working on because... Rolls-Royce recently completed an electric conventional takeoff and landing and an aircraft that they call the Spirit of Innovation. Is this the first inclination that this will become a commercialized market?
1: I think there's a lot of indications of several different electric aircraft markets, right? That, that's a fantastic effort by Rolls-Royce. As you mentioned, that's electric conventional takeoff and landing aircraft. There's also electric short takeoff and landing aircraft, as well as electric vertical takeoff and landing aircraft. So lots of acronym uh, acronyms as we talk about ECTOL, ESTOL, and EVTOL. But there's indications across all, all three of these markets for Really fantastic opportunities. There's lots of purchase orders uh, being developed across all three of these uh, different markets. Um, they, they really serve very different portions of the market. EV toll is much more about the urban, the, the really dense metropolitan areas that are highly congested and going very short distances, while EC toll is about regional and rural access that utilize the existing 5,000 small airports that are in the United States. And then East Dole is about something in between, where that infrastructure doesn't exist while heliports and small airports do. It's trying to find this middle ground of airports that are three to 600 feet long and can be co-located with, for instance, a, a, a... Amazon Distribution Center or something like that to be able to move cargo between different kind of business-to-business locations.
0: And with the ESOL, how about passenger? If you look at the Hawaiian Islands, the flight from Maui to Lanai, it's a 10-minute flight. Is that something where that could be used in the tourist environment?
1: Yeah. And so you're hitting on something that's really important, and that is you know, electric propulsion and electric vehicles in general are just are wonderful in so many ways, and really can drive to very low operating costs, really sustainable, low carbon um, uh, transportation solutions, but they have a limit, and that is range. You know, the most that you're gonna be able to get out of a battery electric aircraft these days is about 300 miles for an EC toll. For an EV toll, it's even shorter than that. It's, it's, It's about 100 miles. But the example that you pointed out, you you know, a a flying uh, uh, between the different islands in Hawaii shows that there's many different perfect fits between electric technologies and what batteries can already do today and what customers need. Because those flights uh, across the different Hawaiian islands, you know, are typically on the order of, of 30 to 40 miles. And no trip is longer than 200 miles. And it's not just Molokai, right? It's, it's the Cape Airs in the United States, in the Boston area. It's the Caribbean. It's, it's, it's actually right where we live in Tennessee, where if I want to get to, to Nashville, which is the closest big city, that's an hour and 45 minute drive. Yet in one of these uh, electric aircraft, you know, that's a 20 minute flight. So to me, this is a, an incredible opportunity for electric vehicles, in this case, electric aircraft, to drastically shorten the distance and jump over physical barriers. And, and you can't do that with ground vehicles.
0: So I've flown Cape Air. I flew out at one time, um, going to Nantucket out of Boston. I've flown it from, from Puerto Rico, going to an island in the Caribbean. And it would seem, this would be a lot more sustainable way to integrate and not all the pollution. Is that another benefit to this? It's a more sustainable way to travel?
1: Well, that's certainly what's motivating me. You know, I, I, I'm definitely top of mind person of, of seeing what the future needs to be in terms of sustainability across the board. And transportation um, is a polluter right now. And we need to take big, big steps to have all portions of transportation have a much more sustainable path. So with aviation and especially you know these 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 smaller aircraft tend to be less efficient. In fact, general aviation aircraft most of them use leaded aviation fuel, and especially there's recent studies like at the Reed Hillview Air- Airport in San Jose, where they're really starting to understand that even low lead Fuel, which is what Avgas is, just needs to go away, right? Um, and the wonderful thing about these electric aircraft is that they're zero emissions in flight. But even more than that is that there's really incredible opportunities to make them zero emissions across th- their entire energy life cycle. Um, many small airports are already introducing solar farms because if you think about a small airport they they typically have you know on the order of uh, 50 to 100 acres most of that land is just grass and there's a perfect opportunity to to cover the that grass with uh with solar cells um obviously not on the runway itself and essentially have that electricity coming from renewable sources so when you can do that whole system innovation of having green energy and green transportation, then it's just a holistic solution that is, in my opinion, uh, what the future needs to be.
0: If you look at it from the standpoint, if you're operating in the Caribbean and a lot of those airports, you're right, if you uh, on the island of St. Kitts, there is just, it just seems like acres upon acres of grass around the airport. And the the the, air, the electric aircraft lands, it charges up. Then you have all that extra energy. Perhaps you can use it for for houses or, or for businesses. So there's. It's, to me, it seems like it's a complete win-win benefit. Am I am I reading this right?
1: Absolutely. And uh, again, the win-win is that this land is already available, right? It, it, it's not like you'd be displacing other things. It needs to stay open. <laughs> That's just the nature of small airports in terms of not putting buildings and other structures there. So the opportunity is that there's really no cost in the land to adapt that from open grass fields to to solar cells. Obviously, there's a cost for putting in that solar farm. But as you point out, it can be serving the entire community and not just the airport, and the amazing thing is, if you look at what's been happening with the cost of solar, especially in locations, as you point out, in the Caribbean, where you have a fantastic solar flux, that is, you have a lot of sun for most of the year, then, I mean, the cost of solar now is uh, lower than wind, lower than almost every other alternative way of, uh, of generating uh, energy. So I'm I, I'm a big proponent of of a future that's solar dominated uh, in the areas where it makes sense, wind and biofuels certainly in other locations where where the solar flux is less. But complete, creating complete sustainable solutions.
0: You have a sustainable solution with the electric aircraft. How about the noise when the when the when the aircraft comes to at that community airport? Will it be quieter? Will that not have the negative impact that noise of your traditional aircraft has on the surrounding community?
1: Yeah, this is uh, this is why Whisper Arrow was created, fundamentally to solve this noise issue. You know, our mantra is this kind of statement, and that is aircraft have always been designed around an engine. And the blocker today is that the engines that exist are noisy, and, and the ways that that engine turns Uh, power into thrust are noisy so what we've done is we've instead of just putting a, a you know a propeller on a nice quiet electric motor we've redesigned the entire propulsion system thruster motor controller every part of it to really be focused on a quiet propulsor that's also very high performance and being able to achieve very high efficiency. You really need all those ingredients to, to dominate the market in the future. And, and, and that's what we're talking about. We're, we're talking about essentially going from the equivalent of the propeller age in the 1930s to the jet age in the 1960s with, with the whisper arrow next step.
0: Staying on that theme, you did an interview with Bloomberg in in July this year of 2021 where you say the following, half the people think drones are cool and half of them are so annoyed. They're annoyed because there's this really aggravating noise source that should not be there. It sounds like a flying Cousin art and it makes people really uncomfortable. If you want the public to buy into the idea of more and more of these things appearing, you can not annoy them and you can't scare them. I agree. Is this a problem that Whisper's trying to solve, and will you enter the drone market at some
1: point? This, this is exactly the problem that we're solving, and, and and not just for the drone market, but also for passenger-carrying aircraft at the general aviation size, as well as cargo aircraft, again, at the, at the smaller Cessna Caravan FedEx size, uh, and eventually with much larger a- aircraft. But I, I, I mean, the thing that's really grown on me that I've learned uh, as I went from NASA to Uber and, and now with Whisper Arrow is, is you've got to create to create really compelling solutions. You've got to have all the right ingredients of the customer needs coming together, and so you know. For instance, uh, you know Joby Aircraft today is developing a great EV tool aircraft, and, and and it's pretty quiet and it's pretty efficient. But what we've got to get to is the ability to satisfy not only what the customers flying it, you know, desire, but what the community needs uh, around those users, right? Because I mean, the communities are made up of lots of users and non-users and you got to keep everybody happy with these really compelling products so yeah what we're focused uh, on achieving and we've actually already demonstrated it in the lab is thrust propulsor devices that are so quiet that the communities will accept these aircraft flying around because they can't hear them
0: that's how you build trust you're saying we're going in your community to do right.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, look, there's a lot of really exciting technology frontiers coming together all at once. Besides electric aviation, you know, another part of the aerospace world is autonomy, right? That's happening on the ground with, with self-driving Teslas, but it's also happening in the air. And you, as you're introducing these new products, you have to build trust, right? You you you, you can't be jeopardizing vibrant futures um, unless you're bringing everyone along for the ride. And so, you know, autonomy, it has to be trusted autonomy. That's why I, I won't even say the word autonomy by itself anymore. It's it, it, implicit. You've got to bring people along that understand inherently we're talking about increasing the safety increasing the public accept, acceptance driving costs down driving sustainability up all of it's really got to coexist together
0: what will the economics be of electric aircraft
1: well that's that's where there's a good and a bad side so the, the bad side is they're just as expensive to to build and sell as regular aircraft in fact if you look at the automotive world you could say well tesla is a heck of a lot more expensive than than a, a regular general motors car um and, and that's a lot of that's just because we're at the beginning of this new wave and the early adopters always tend to pay a, a little bit higher price until really high production volumes are achieved and batteries are still you know expensive uh, no question about it. So the bad side is the acquisition price is pretty much the same. So we're not we're not able to impact that until electric aviation, ten years, fifteen years down the road, has huge production volumes. But what we can do immediately is the beauty of uh, of electric vehicles is on the operation side they have really, really low operating costs. And that's because, you know, instead of uh, being 30% efficient, like a, like a reciprocating engine or turbine uh, engine, electric motors are 95% efficient. And even when you account for the batteries and controllers and everything, they're still 90% efficient from taking the, the energy out of the batteries to, uh, to spinning the motors. So because they're so efficient, they use so much less energy and they use cheaper energy at that. So even, even at the residential cost scale, electricity is about 12 cents per kilowatt hour. On the industrial scale, you know where you're using a lot of it, it's about seven cents per kilowatt hour. But if you look at something like Avgas or Jet A Fuel, you know that's anywhere from three dollars to six dollars per gallon, and the equivalency is is that it's about two to three times more expensive. So you have this combination of the electric electricity that we're using is two to three times cheaper, and we're using three times less of it, and that drives you to uh, having an energy cost that's about ten times less than hydrocarbon-based solution, and also you're, you're driving to much lower maintenance cost. So, and Tesla owners or or Toyota Prius owners will tell you the the beauty of these electric systems is they don't break down, right? I mean, essentially, electric motors only have one moving part, and that's bearings. And those bearings last, you know, 10 to 20,000 hours while, you know, a reciprocating motor only lasts about 2,000 hours. So it's this combination of 10 times reduction in energy costs and at least 50% lower maintenance costs that drive you to direct operating costs that are drastically lower than uh, existing uh, solutions today. But, I mean, what that means, though, though, is is if you buy an electric aircraft or an electric car, you really want to use it a lot for it to pay for itself really well. And that's why the best opportunities for electric aircraft are with the shared economy business models. And and that is, you know, use it like an Uber where instead of it sitting in your driveway 90% of the time, It's actually on the road 90% of the time. For electric aircraft, you want business cases where it's either fractional ownership or on-demand transportation like wheels up so that that asset, which is relatively expensive, is being used a lot at really, really low cost.
0: The acquisition of the technology, you could finance it. There's commercial banks that will finance. And if you look at the public filings from the major airlines, their maintenance costs are astronomical. And all they do is seem to go one way, up. They never seem to go down. So what you're describing seems like for the commercial world would be a home run and a half.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But uh, again, it's a matter of getting the technology into the market in the right place where it can do well and then expand. So, look, large commercial aviation is mostly made up of aircraft that fly 1 to 300 people around those are really big aircraft that tend to fly very long distances so it's going to be uh you know at least 10 to 20 years in my opinion before the big electric before the big commercial aircraft become fully electric you you, you got to kind of start small and Work your foot in the door of the market with the shorter range, um, smaller aircraft, and then show the capability to to grow into these longer distance, bigger aircraft. But you're absolutely right; it's a no brainer in in terms of the operating costs. So what we've got to paint is a is a picture for for operators where they're not converting to these aircraft to be environmentally pre- responsible at a surcharge, but instead that it's just good business to be environmentally responsible because the costs are so much lower.
0: Doing right by society, you're, you're doing right by shareholders. Again, it's a win-win. We talk about the maintenance. How long will these batteries last? Will it get to the point where the batteries can no longer hold the charge. Can you swap them out so the aircraft body can keep going today? How on an aircraft, the seats are swapped out, the interior swapped out, but the body keeps going.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, if you look at these high utilization business models, such as Joby on the EV toll or the, an air uh, electric aircraft for Cape air, they'll be replacing batteries in less than a year because they're flying very, very frequently. And, the aircraft has 20 years of life, even though that battery pack needs to be swapped out and, and changed and, and refreshed. Because you, you're you right, the batteries over time, just like with your iPhone, you can check your battery health and you notice the battery health percentage is always going down. <laughs> and it, when it gets down to about 80%, you go, I can't stand this anymore. and you, And you replace your iPhone battery. So that's even more the case uh, with electric aircraft, that when that capacity gets down to about 90% of the original capacity, it's time to change the battery. Not only because of the amount of energy that it's holding is less, but the internal resistance of the battery increases. And so the amount of power, the the amount of, uh, the rate that the electricity can get out of the battery slows down. And that's really, really important for aircraft that like to use a lot of power at pretty fast rates during takeoff and landing. So yes, batteries need to be uh, replaced very frequently in high utilization models. But uh, again, the beauty is that even at their expensive uh, cost, which right now for automotive is about 150 dollars per kilowatt hour that, uh, that's expensive but on the aviation side they're more like 300 to 400 dollars per kilowatt hour they're about twice the cost uh, of automotive batteries because so much more has to go into the battery pack to achieve a, a, a really ultra safe certified battery solution but the the great thing is is even at that cost You know, as we built, we built into our uh, cost models, amortizing those batteries. And so it ends up that the electricity itself is, is about half the cost compared to the total battery and electricity amortized cost. So that is you're paying just as much for the battery as you are for uh, the electricity that you use. So when you take a holistic look at the costs of an electric battery system, it's still on the order of five times cheaper than a hydrocarbon solution accounting for that frequent replacement of the battery.
0: At the end of the life of the battery, will they be able to be recycled?
1: That's the key for truly sustainable solutions. We, we can't just be going through these batteries and putting them in the dumps. And, and that's why I'm really excited about uh, the latest step that J.B. Straubel and, and, and other pioneers in, in the electric vehicle world are taking to raise billions of dollars to set up recycling uh, solutions for batteries. And, and, and Tesla's, you, you know, been doing the right talk about this, but there really aren't a lot of batteries to recycle yet so it hasn't really made sense for them to ramp up big recycling programs but the key question there is yeah we can recycle uh, you know 90 to 95 percent of of the materials in these batteries that's not the key question the key question is how expensive is it to recycle competing against raw materials because, you know, for recycling to make sense, it's got to be competitive uh, against buying, ba- you know, brand new batteries mined from lithium uh, mines. And, and that's the question that's outstanding is how expensive, how cheap can it be made to recycle batteries and, and make it really a compelling, complete, uh, sustainable solution in terms of. uh uh, of electric battery economy for the future
0: if they can be recycled in an economical way which makes economic sense then you have a very powerful life cycle that just keeps growing and growing and expanding and expanding because those batteries can be used for for other applications they can go into a phone they can go into a device in your house so it's going to be very interesting to see as the economics of battery charging change
1: well, I, I'm convinced that it will because, because of exactly what you point out. And that is we're living in an amazing time of change from the hydrocarbon age to the electric economy. And it's like, how many times does that happen in history, right? I mean, we've been in the hydrocarbon age for, you know, 150 years. And it really is such a compelling opportunity that I personally believe you know, the government has a major role in this, right? Because that doesn't just, it's very expensive to fundamentally change the energy basis of an economy. But as you point out, the electric economy is going to touch every single industry, whether it's for your home, your iPhone, for your car, for your fac- the factories that are making the goods for you. Everything is going to go electric. Uh, and that's a wonderful thing, but it's going to be very expensive. But we're living through this next, you know, 10 to 30 years, which in terms of opportunity is, is unprecedented in the past 150 years.
0: It's unprecedented. I mean, the closest thing I can think of in modern age is bell labs and all the incredible innovations that happen there. You've kind of got your own little bell labs there in Tennessee where you're working on Whisper. You're removed from Silicon Valley, you're in a great area of Tennessee. Why did you decide to build Whisper in Tennessee away from all it's called the, the glitz and glamour Silicon Valley?
1: Well, you're right, the normal thing to do when you raise VC capital, which we've done, is to stay local, right? Uh, the VC community kind of likes that, right? It's it, It's part of the comfort zone of the of the total equation of Silicon Valley magic ingredients. <laughs> but we see it a bit differently. And, and as you point out, we're in Cumberland County, Tennessee, which is utterly gorgeous. And it is, uh, you know, the smaller uh, rural, you know, regional type of communities, the hometowns where people used to grow up, uh, where you literally know everybody. Uh, and the cost of everything from housing to anything else is just so much cheaper than in the big cities. And the quality of life is amazing. So yes, we, we, uh, I personally bought a, a resort that is on a gorgeous lake with the clearest, cleanest water you've ever seen. And we have 20 acres and 40,000 square feet of innovation campus space for Whisper Arrow to not only uh, be creating this uh, exciting future, but for all the engineers and and technicians and everyone to really have a wonderful quality of life. And that's why we kind of are trying to live in that future where we think these transportation solutions Will let us not embrace what's happened over the last hundred years of everyone having to move into the big cities to get the good paying jobs. We think that there's actually going to be a reversal, that these transportation accessibility costs and uh, sustainability will let people have much more mobility reach. And have much more choice of where they want to live, work, play, to really enjoy life. And, and if they want to, you know, be have that big city life, that's fine. Then it's a fifteen minute flight away. You know, I love going into Nashville. It's exciting. It's a center of commerce. But I don't want to live there. So, can the question is is can we can we bleed? It's actually bigger than that. Because there's kind of like the the blue communities in the big cities and the red communities out in the rural areas. Can this new transportation solution kind of help bring us all together? Because I can tell you, living in a a small Tennessee town, you know, a progressive person could be uncomfortable. I love it. And I'm a progressive person. And the fact is, is the more time you get to spend getting to know people, then the more you understand them. And I think across the political world, and not to get into politics, but we need much more understanding and intermingling. And I hope we're part of that future.
0: I fully agree with you. I say to individuals, have a conversation with somebody you don't agree with, you might learn something or read a book of something you don't agree with, you might learn something and look at it through a different lens and different point of view but you're in Cumberland County. Johnny Cash hung out in Cumberland County I believe you own a house there. but you got the Cumberland County Playhouse. You've got some incredible musicians that go through there. That's right down the road and on the other side of your property you have an airport. It seems like you've got this perfect little harmony you can fly into Nashville when your aircraft's ready you can go see great country music before it goes famous. It just seems like you've got this beautiful little slice of paradise.
1: Yes, and that's why we chose it. You, you know, you talked about two of our neighbors. Right next door is, is a fantastic uh, 5,000 foot uh, runway with the Crossville Airport. Right next door is the Cumberland County Playhouse, the seventh best playhouse in the United States that has the parking lot packed every night and has a world quality uh, productions. So, you know, some people think, oh, this is really interesting. We've already hired, uh, we're we're at about the 20-person level. And I can tell you, some people that we go to hire say, oh, you're in rural Tennessee. I would never move there. And we say, oh, come for a visit. And they spend two days with us and they go, oh, my gosh, I didn't know I could have a life like this. Where at lunch, I get to take a kayak out on this gorgeous, pristine lake and – then in the evening, I can literally walk a hundred steps over and see this fantastic show. So, to me, look, it, 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 let's create this new future together that these technologies are enabling. There's just so many degrees of freedom. There's not one right answer, but let's let's make sure everybody has a chance in this new electric co- economy to to pick what's best for them.
0: You're doing a wonderful test case there in Cumberland County. You're going. I believe that you'll see more companies and startups follow the path that you're doing because you talked about the work-life balance. You can go for a kayak ride. Perhaps you can fish for a trout in the
1: lake. Bass. It's a really great. It's bass here. Bass. Yeah, yeah, we we just got six two nights ago and and had a fish fry together.
0: It's a great way to build a bond is you've scaled up large organizations. You've worked at NASA, so you understand as these teams can pick. But you're going to have that core bond as, as the company grows and eventually go to the next step. You'll have that core bond because you had that special time together um, down in Cumberland. I want to put this all together from your, your background at NASA and Uber and especially the Puffin paper, which we discussed on a previous podcast. We both agree the future of aviation is electric, but what is the whole? What is the big vision for the future of aviation, in your opinion?
1: Well, I, it's multifaceted, right? And, and and my perspective is 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 going to be dominated by where, where I focused, right? I, I I've been uh, a technology zealot for thirty six years now, relating to the opportunity space that exists for smaller aviation products. Package delivery drone is is just one incredible opportunity where many companies are doing fantastic work. And you you look at whether it's a Zipline or a Matternet or, or a Google Wing, it's just already they're helping to make people's lives better through amazing accessibility whether that's for, for blood or for, for, uh, COVID-19, uh, you know, virus immunization or your cup of coffee as Google wing uh, is doing, you know, it's, it's this future opportunity to again, expand mobility reach to bring us all together. And there's just so many new products, that are gonna do it so much better. And and, and again, so many people, when they talk to us, they think, oh, well, you're doing, yeah, one of those slow electric aircraft that flies around at 100 miles per hour. When we come out next year, we're gonna show you products that utilize our propulsors that show that this electric future is much, much faster much higher performance just like the the tesla you know people uh you know general motors came out with the ev1 first right in the 1990s and people said oh that's a nice little toy you know does it get up to 50 miles per hour because it's a tiny little engine and then tesla came out and said guess what this electric future blows the performance away of any supercar (laughs) And, and, you know, you get in one and the acceleration and the driving performance is insane. We're just about to do that this next year with small aircraft as well, where we're going to show electric aircraft are not about low and slow, but about fast, efficient, ultra low noise, and in every dimension that you'd want, just amazing machines. So... Look, my perspective is very biased by, by what I'm experiencing. So I don't want to leave out others' futures. This is just an incredible time uh, of opportunity for all of us. But it's like, let's not, you know, huddle in dark corners um, and, and keep talking about, you know, how we can go the old way. You know, let's embrace the sustainable future that is so much better. And I I just wish there wasn't so much arguing about it because really the facts are very clear and the opportunities are even more exciting than the facts.
0: You're about to have your Roadster moment next year. And when you do, we'd love to have you back on when you could fully talk about the product.
1: I would love to be back and actually show you what's under the hood because this is big and bold and uh, we can't wait to share it with the world.
0: Fantastic, and Mark, as we look to wrap up this insightful conversation, what would you like our listeners to take away with them?
1: I'll I'll start by saying this: I, I'm just super appreciative of the opportunities that I've been given. Right? I mean, to be able to work at NASA for 32 years and have the the freedom to grow and innovate. I mean, that's what that's where distributed electric propulsion was created, right? With with taxpayer dollars, and now, every single company uh, uh, that's doing electric aircraft across the world is, is leveraging that technology basis. So it's like there's a lot of really great engineers doing uh, great work. And and frankly, I've gotten a lot of attention, but there's a lot of others who have done better work than me who are underappreciated. So... I'm thankful. And I'm I'm also thankful that we're entering new days where engineers have the opportunity to, to really craft the future. In the past, engineers were just kind of small cogs in the business development world, right? And the business guys were in charge. But now as, you know, the Larry Pages and the Elon Musks and other engineers have made fortunes, they've really helped to kind of let the engineers have a more of a starring role to to shape things and so i I agree with something my final words will be i agree with something elon musk said and that's that is let's get a lot more engineering majors out there instead of business majors because we're just on the cusp of such exciting technology revolutions that we need a lot more engineers. And and, and frankly, the opportunities for you to do really, really well are with engineering, in my opinion.
0: Engineering is cool. Engineers are building the future. Mark, you're an engineer and you're building the future. And we can't wait to see what you unveil next year because today is tomorrow, tomorrow is today, and the future is electric sustainable aircrafts. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the
1: SAE Tomorrow Today podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to
0: SAE Tomorrow Today. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, please kindly rate, review, and let us know what topics you'd like for us to explore next. Tune in next week when we discuss policy, regulation, and supply chain with Ariel Wolf, General Counsel to the Self-Driving Coalition. SAE International makes no representations as to the accuracy of the information presented in this podcast. The information and opinions are for general information only. SAE International does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast.